you think, looking around, that we've got empty chairs. Not true. We have every chair is filled. If it's not filled with a human, it's filled with a divine angel. Amen? So I just want you to know that. They are never late. They always know what time it is. <laughs> How do I know that? Because they were right on time when Jesus was born. Amen? Hallelujah. Um, I'm going to be talking this morning. I, I don't know if I put it in a bulletin or not. Uh, justified. justified, yeah. It's, uh, this is going to be a, um, it's both a preaching and a teaching on justification, but it's going to be looking ahead to the work of Jesus on the cross of Calvary and his resurrection from death in the grave and the and the immensity of the grace that is brought forth in justification. About the reborn life, that is that we become filled with the Lord's living presence, which is eternally active within one who resides daily in believing faith. So, it's not difficult, and I'm going to give you a story at the end um, about the dog and the bad pack. And then I'm also going to, I don't know if I'll sing this chorus on the hymn or not. I haven't decided yet. That depends on the Lord. Uh, I feel a frog in my throat. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's a really ancient hymn, and I love it. And so, uh, John 3.3. 3. I'm going to take my time going through this so that you can write passages down. Uh, justification is a tough subject a lot of people don't necessarily understand. And I want everyone to walk out of here understanding what it is. Uh, John 3, 3. <clears throat> He's, Jesus is talking to um, Nicodemus in the night, and, and he answered because he asked him some questions. And Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, cannot see the kingdom of God. So I'm going to walk us through a progression all the way getting into justification. And this uh, will be a walk of faith for all of you. Someone takes the time to tell us about Jesus and faith, and, be and faith begins to stir in us. Before you were saved, someone took the time to tell you about Jesus. In Romans 10, 17, faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. <clears throat> I will take for just a moment, uh, consider with me for a moment before we really truly begin. I want to I say something here about faith comes from hearing and hearing from, by the word of Christ. Many do not share the gospel because they're afraid they will offend someone. Uh, Christians should realize that they can cause offense whether they speak or do not speak. Hear me close. If we do not tell someone the gospel, if, no, if we do tell someone the gospel, they might get angry and upset. But in the days ahead, they might reconsider and accept Jesus as their Savior. That's a possibility. <clears throat> if we do not tell someone, and in the event no one else does either, then that individual goes to their death without salvation. And at the judgment, when the books are open, they will cry out in great offense and eternal despair, did it not matter to anyone 
Why didn't someone tell me about Jesus? Why did they give up on me? I want you to know we are going to offend regardless of what takes place. It's better to speak up and put the burden on the individual and let them know that Jesus wants them to be saved. Let them decide. Don't decide for them or there will be things said as someone is being sent to hell. Amen? Did not anyone care? To continue on then, going back to our main, main thing. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. So after much thought and prayer, we asked Jesus to be our Savior. And this is things that we did. So I'm going to go ahead and go through this as I wrote it. And we are reborn, made new. We begin to live in this new life that we've been given for this salvation we have come into is given to us in Jesus through the grace of God because of his immeasurable love. Ephesians 2.8, for by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Not of the works that we do, we can't, we can't buy salvation, we do not earn salvation, such salvation is... <clears throat> My trifocals just went wacko. <laughs> Such salvation in Jesus is a gracious gift of God. And so we have chosen to take this step of faith and we believe. We've taken a step of faith and we believe. And fully trust God's gift is real. And when this takes place, something within us changes. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and, declared himself, and delivered himself up for me. Both passages in Ephesians 2.8 and in Galatians 2.20 speak of faith, an active, living, believing faith, such as we find described in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, and the convictions of things not seen. For by it, the men and women of old gained approval because they were standing in faith. Such living faith is the outflow of our belief in our Lord Jesus Christ. But even more, such living faith becomes a blessing to God and also to us, but in ways that we may not completely nor immediately grasp or realize. Galatians 3.6, if you would turn to Galatians 3.6. <clears throat> Galatians 3.6. And we're going to go down 6, 7, 8, and 9. <clears throat> so we see now, before we start, faith and belief. We come into belief. And then we come into faith. Uh, that's what we were doing this morning when we were praying for people for healing. The ones that were praying were believing that their prayers would make a difference. And so they stood in faith and began to pray. The ones that were receiving, the same thing. They believed that the prayers they were receiving would make a difference. So in faith, they went ahead and asked for the prayers. This is what we're talking about. But I want you to take you to another place on this. Because 
Galatians 3.6, even so Abraham believed God and it was reckoned or some scriptures say imputed, and I will define this before we move on, uh, to him as righteousness. That reckoned or imputed is, can be defined as attributed, accounted, considered. It is literally an accounting. It is when God says they believe I'm going to make an accounting note up here in my books that they believed, and now there's a difference. I'm going to come back to that in just a moment. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. Those of you that are ladies in the house, don't be offended at being called a son. This is extraordinary because all of us men are called brides of Christ. <laughs> there are no men and women before the Lord. There are souls that need to be saved. Each one is made for their own part by God. Together they make a powerful com combination. Therefore be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles. This is highly prophetic. Foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying all the nations shall be blessed in you. So then those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham the believer. <clears throat> and we can declare as one who has been saved through faith and now lives by faith, I am blessed because I'm a person of believing faith before God, as was Abraham the believer, who was eternally blessed by God. But there is more. When you're making notes just right, there's more. Because now I am also justified by faith. Justified. I'll define that in a little bit. Therefore, Romans 5.1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope and glory of God. That's out of the New King James. But in addition, I'm justified by faith. Amen? Turn to somebody and tell you, I am justified by faith. I'm a son of Abraham. Amen? But in addition, I am also justified by Jesus' blood. Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love towards us that while we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. Much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if then, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. You know, then a most extraordinary thing takes place. Those that have been saved become newly reborn in the Lord's kingdom and have, have left the former things and foundations and restraints and, and chains and bondage we knew and understood behind and have been brought into an abundant freedom in God's presence through Jesus. Each, one, each saved one has been adopted into the family of God. Romans 8.15 and following. Uh, turn with me to Romans 8, 15 and following. 
For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Abba is like, like as intimate a term as you can use between a father and a son, a father and a daughter. It's literally daddy. And the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. So to kind of encapsulate what I've just gone through the last, last little bit. So as ones who in faith have become saved in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior, we are justified before God due to our believing faith in Jesus. And we are justified before God because of Jesus' blood. And as ones now justified before God, we have received a spirit of adoption in Jesus. Now, adoption is something most of us can understand or relate to in some fashion. And some have actually been adopted and know firsthand what it is to be adopted. But... What does it mean to be justified? I've been using that term now for the last couple pages on this talk. Justified by our believing faith and justified by Jesus' blood. What does it mean to be justified? Well, I'm going to tell you, justified is such a, a thing, is, is such an immensely eternal, powerful action for one saved in Jesus. And to justify or justification is much more a part of us than we realize. Everybody in here has participated in justification before you became a Christian and after you became a Christian. Whoa, Henry, what do you mean? Well, I'll explain. For it is an action most of us take part in at some time or another in our lives. Justification is what we do when we give our reason, our excuse, our argument, literally the why of who we are and what we are doing, whether it is good or bad. Well, as I, you know, this is why I did that. Or, or this is what I'm doing, and, and this is the reason I'm doing it. Uh, and, and, and yeah, I don't feel good today, but that's probably because of this, this, and this. Or I feel great today, but that's probably because of this reason right here. I'm justifying. Everybody in here, from Tammy all the way over to Sam, has justified, probably within this last week, more than a dozen times, something going on in your life. I don't want you to think it's some high theological term. It's not. It's a reality term. Since most of us already participate in justifying our actions in this present world, I will explain as a Christian the action of being justified by believing faith before God. That is, faith in Jesus and faith in his saving blood. Consider with me a look into eternity in the books in the book of life in heaven. We're going to come back to the books in the book of life in heaven in just a bit. But Jesus spoke about these. Go with me to Luke 10:19. <clears throat> this applies to everybody in this place directly. Behold, 
I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and all over the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, Jesus warns powerfully and strongly, do not rejoice in what I've just spoken about, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And going on to the next passage in Revelation 20, 11, and following. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. In verse 12, and I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. Our justification and our reason, our excuse, our argument for being allowed to enter into heaven has been written down and recorded. If we are justified before God, how might, how, how, how might such a passage read? Such an entry could be very simple, but also unwaveringly blunt and direct and would determine our place in eternity, one chance, period. So I'm going to go ahead and give you what that would sound like. My interpretation as the Holy Spirit was leading me, who can I pick on? We'll use Mark, okay. Mark Birdall, this is Mark's entry, okay. Now, this is paraphrased, obviously, but this could be any one of us. Mark Birdall, God is opening the books. Birdall, Birdall, oh, there, there, Birdall, this is Mark, Mark, okay, Mark Birdall, Nikiski, Alaska, oh, yep, this is the right one, okay, here you are. Mark Birdall believed Number one, and by faith was saved by the blood of Jesus, the worthy Lamb of God, and has been adopted into God's family and has been given a new name. Amen. On to heaven, brother. <laughs> Did you just run? <laughs> oh, <laughs> that was good. In other words, we entered into salvation by faith when we asked Jesus to be our Savior. And at that moment, our testimony before God and all of heaven was that we chose to believe. We chose to believe that the atoning work Jesus accomplished on the cross was enough. And so we were justified by faith. Amen. And at that moment, we were redeemed as our sins were covered by the perfect blood of Jesus, the worthy sacrificial lamb of God who died for us. And we were justified by Jesus' blood. Amen. And no longer were we condemned to be spiritually lost orphans in the dark and evil, terrifying existence of this eternity without hope. For we were reborn and adopted fully without any reservations whatsoever into the family of God. And this has occurred because we were justified for, by our faith. We were justified by God, our creator. There is no one higher. In the name of Jesus, he did this because Jesus paid the price for us 
who made a way through his perfect blood of sacrifice that we could come before God. Amen. Whew. Some might be thinking and pondering, wow, we just looked at what justification means in the time to come, Henry, that's great, but what does justification really mean to me as I live my life every day in this present world? And, and what about today? Some might ask, as I leave the church and go out into this present world, what about tomorrow and the days ahead until the Lord brings me home to be with him? What does it mean to be justified by faith? And how can I even relate to such a statement as I live my day-to-day -day life? I wrote good questions, and then I went back because the Lord says, write down excellent questions. Those are real questions. What does it really mean? Well, before we begin, let's go ahead and, and take a look at, uh, uh, at a simple recap before we go into our day-to-day -day living existence of what we've discovered so far so that we can be of one mind in our Lord Jesus Christ. To believe is considered righteousness. Such belief is an act of faith. We are justified before God because of our belief and faith in Jesus' divine work and who we are has changed so let's look at our daily lives now when satan the devil the one who opposes us attempts to deceive us and comes against us with doubt or fear or anger or unforgiveness or some unholy temptation trying to cause us to to veer off the path of righteousness and faith in jesus because i am justified i can tell him no Go away and leave me be. You go, well, that's not very complex. No, it's not. But in 1 Peter, it says, resist the devil and he will flee. No, go away and leave me be. We do not have to listen to him. We can declare stop in the name of Jesus. We can hold fast to our believing faith because we are now justified by faith in doing so. For, as it says in Galatians 5, 24 and 25, for those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires and now live by the Spirit and now walk by the Spirit. All right, let me make this simple. I think this will be fun. I'm going to tell you my tell you the story about the dog and the worldly pack of strangers. Okay, turn with me to John 10, 3, 5. 3 through 5. John 10, 3 through 5. I, I actually like this story. I made the story up, but I like the story. Okay. <laughs> yeah, this is this is is the the dog and the worldly pack of strangers. So in John 10, 3 through 5, it says this. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. Point at your ears and say, I hear Jesus' voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And he puts forth all his own and goes before them. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. And a stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from the stranger from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. That's plural. There are a lot of bad voices out there. 
A dog was running with a worldly pack of strangers. Similar to people who run with a pack, such as a pack of judgment, a pack of addiction, a pack of self-righteousness, a pack of gossips, a pack of anger and unforgiveness, a pack of doubt and hopelessness, a pack of fear and worry filled with dark expressions of despair. And the dog was running with a pack. But one day, <clears throat> this poor dog ended up in the pound and was destined for destruction. John 10.10, 10, it says, And the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And that's what the pack will do. But instead of destruction, at the last moment at just the right time, the dog was rescued and adopted by someone who saw value in this one poor dog. And so the dog was cleaned up, vaccinated, groomed, and, and given a, a collar, and given a name, a new identity, with an ID tag, his owner's name and address, and, and he was given a house to live in with a bed and daily food and water. And the dog now had someone who loved him, cared for him, watched out for him. And even more, the dog now had an advocate that was his owner who would tell anybody, hey, buzz off, bud, that dog belongs to me. I rescued him from the pound. Don't mess with him and don't touch him. I didn't want to pet your dog anyway. Okay. Now, one day, the pack of strangers returned nearby and called out to the dog, Hey, hey, come on, let's go. Come run with us again. How does this dog answer? Well, they could take off and run with the pack of strangers again, and unfortunately, there are many that do just such a thing. They fall off the path and begin to run again. But instead, this one answered their call with an emphatic, No! Absolutely no way am I going to run with you again. I'm new. Who I was is, this is not me any longer. That was me before, but now I'm justified in my master who rescued me because I've been given a new life. My master loves me. He rescued me. He takes care of me, and I believe he's going to continue to do so. I trust him, and my faith is in him. So when you call to me to come back and run with you as part of that nasty pack? The answer is no. Now go away and leave me be. I'm going to stay here and serve my new master. I'm not going to be a slave again to the pack of strangers who do not care about me, who only take advantage of me. They only try to kill, steal, and destroy who I am. My faith and trust is in my master who loves me. I am justified by my decision. I am justified by my master, and I am not going to ever run with you again. Amen. That's the dog story. That's justification. On a daily basis. I don't have to listen to the voice of Satan. I'm going to give you three as we get ready to close out of the Old Testament who demonstrate just such evidence of justification on a daily basis. Joseph, Genesis 
Now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, starting in verse 6. And that's unusual because they don't normally tell that somebody's handsome and stuff in the Bible, but they're making a point is that he was a a good-looking guy, okay? And it came about that after these events that his master's wife looked with desire at Joseph, and she said, come, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house, and he has put all things that he owns in my charge. There is no one greater in this house than I, and he has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How, could, <coughs> how then could I do this great evil and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day after day after day, he did not listen to her, the voice of strangers, to lie with her beside her or be with her. And now it happened one day that he went into the house to do his work and none of the men in the household were there inside. She caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. And he left and ran out of the house and left his garment in her hand and did not stop until he was outside. He did not want to fall into a place of offending God because God was truly his advocate and his justifier. Daniel, Daniel 1.5. And and then we'll jump down to Daniel 1.8. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank and three years of training for them so that at the end of that time (coughs) they might serve before the king. But Daniel made up his mind he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. Now God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. Oftentimes we think, I, I, I have no choice. I have to go through and do this. Even though I don't want to, it's going to offend God. Not true. Because God is our justifier. And right here we see that he completely changed the circumstances so that Daniel could go ahead and honor God. Amen. Ruth. Ruth 1.14. Now, Orpha is her mother-in-law, and, and both, or, or Orpha is, is her sister-in-law or relative in that, um, and their, their mother-in-law is, the, the husbands have died, and so the women are left alone, and so the conversation begins. They lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her mother-in-law, and Orpah left and went back, and so it says, and she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth had a different mind. And this is a powerful, powerful verse of of dedication to God, uh, not only to, to what is taking place with her mother-in-law and and all that they've been through. But Ruth says this, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following you. For wherever you go, I will go. 
And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God shall be my God. This is such a powerful passage that she was actually in the lineage of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because she's expressing a faith that is justified by God himself. Galatians 3.11, the righteous person shall live by faith. Romans 5.1, and the righteous person shall be justified by their faith. We can live out our faith, we can live out this faith that we now have, justified that our actions are pleasing to God. We do not have to be any longer who the world would have us to be. I'm going to repeat that. We do not have to be any longer who the world would have us to be. We can become and be who God meant us to be, a reborn, blood-bought son or daughter of the living God, saved and justified fully in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. So the chorus to the hymn, one day when heaven was filled with his praises, I don't think I should sing, but I will go ahead. <laughs> oh, I'm tempted. Um, yeah, right. Living he loved me, dying he saved me, buried he carried my sins far away. Rising he justified freely forever. One day he's coming, oh glorious day. Amen. That's the prayer. Our Lord is coming back and he is justifying us. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Turn to somebody next to you and say, I'm so glad we are justified in our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.